Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the fourth episode of Analyzing Analysis. Now in this episode we're going to go into some detail about what is the existential dilemma or rather what are the first questions that you should be asking when you're doing an analysis of an existing problem or looking for a solution for that matter. What are the first few steps? To do that, let's first define what a problem is. Now we've talked about it in some length already, so I'll just leave you with a quick definition, which is that a problem is ultimately a state change, i.e. you want to go from state one to state two, and you want to find the way and means to do that. This is typically what a problem is. Now let's take three problem examples, three problems of different types, which are going to help us navigate the rest of this chapter. Problem number one, what bread maker should I buy? Problem number two, one plus one is equal to? And problem number three, how do I talk so that people listen? Now, these three problems are of the three different types, which is open set, complete set, and incomplete set problems. Now, what do these three mean? Open set problem is typically one which is relatively vague and even the rules of the universe in which it exists are very vague. Complete set problems, on the other hand, are problems like one plus one, in which not only is the problem clearly stated, almost mathematical in its purity, but even the rules which need to be applied to solve it, the theorems that need to be applied are very well defined and you're knowledgeable about them. Incomplete problem lies somewhere in between. You may have a good idea of the path. You may even have a couple of uh, solution sets in mind, but the rules are not 100% clear, even if they are somewhat clear. Now, depending on a variety of factors, quite frankly, a lot of factors being personal factors like your patience level, your experience, your, your instincts, you may have the urge to jump directly to a potential solution as soon as you hear these questions. It's especially true for open set and incomplete set problems. However, logic dictates that this may not be the best idea, you know, let me illustrate why. Your answers may be something like, um, my mother bought the Samsung ABC bread maker recently. It was assembled in California. Also, it's one of the best rated um, bread makers in Amazon. I think you should buy that. Or two, I've heard people say it's two. That's one plus one equals two. And three, I find it best to talk to people in their own language. Um, use the kind of words that they use. Use the kind of kind of expressions that they typically use and when I do that, they listen to me. Now, if you were to ask those same questions of somebody else, they would answer, you know, they, they may give answers similar to this. Number one, I don't know which, which bread maker is the best, but Fry's is having a 50% sale on all bread makers this summer. Uh, they also have pretty good consultants in store, so you may want to go there and ask them. Um, number two, Hey, I don't know what one plus one is, but here you go. Here's a calculator. You can find it um, for yourself. And number three, uh, 
why don't you go and read some Dale Carnegie books? He typically has all the answers. Alternatively, somebody else may answer. If you need it for a short while, uh, then I've got an extra bread maker lying around. You can use that and see if it fits the bill. Um, you know, based on that, you can probably get a good idea of what you like and what you don't like, what features are important to you and so on and so forth. And you can take a call. Or for uh, the second question, the answer is two or three. Um, I'm assuming you want Tanya to give you the time of day, don't you? Don't worry, I'll talk to her. She'll start listening to you. Now, these three solutions are given by three separate personalities. The first one, let me look it up. The first one is the, the experience-based guide. The second one is the path lighter. And the third one is the solution giver. In each one of these instances, the person took up one of these roles. You know, the first one, like we said, he was a well-intentioned friend, the kind with experience. The second one was the path guide or the person who typically doesn't know the answer but can tell you where the answer would lie. So if you go down this path, this yellow brick road, you will come to the Emerald City. The final one was the solution giver, the person who is kind of the know-it-all and that's not a bad thing but you know the person who has all the answers and just gives the answers to you. So here's my bread maker. I already have an extra one. You can take it from me. Now, all three of them are noble in their own way, but all three of them, despite being well-intentioned, are wrong. Why? In each case, the person jumped directly to a solution based on their experience, their knowledge or their empathy. Nobody stopped for a second to consider what your problem is. You know, what your context is, what are you trying to solve? Instead, they made themselves the subject with the unsaid assumption that, hey, this person probably wants a bread maker because he wants uh, to open a new business, for instance. And, and, and that assumption comes in from my own personal experiences. So therefore, you know, uh, if it fits me, it's obviously going to fit you, the listener, as well. So clearly it's the correct answer, which is not always the case. Your situation and mine are going to be different. I don't know whether you need a bread maker for home or because you want to open a bakery. It's illogical of me to assume either without hearing the question from you. I don't know whether the number system that surrounds your problem of 1 plus 1 is decimal or binary. And again, it's illogical of me to assume. And lastly, I do not know whether the context of the speech is uh, the context of your, your problem where you want people to listen to you is a speech, a meeting or a romantic problem for that matter. As far as this simple-minded analyst knows, the first step to solving problems optimally has to be to understand it and the context in which it exists. Without knowing this context, I can't solve it. And maybe more importantly, I can't optimize the solution. Let's uh, illustrate this hypothesis. Without knowing the desired purpose of the bread maker, whether it's for business use, for personal use, or for gifting, 
any answer that I give is going to have a 33% probability at best of being correct without knowing the context of the mathematical problem uh, whether it's for a algebra class or whether it's for a computer science class I would have to make certain assumptions about about the number system and again those assumptions are not going to be correct for sure for the third one I would have to make an assumption uh, one of these two assumptions you know either it's going uh, my assumption is going to be that you're planning on giving a one-way speech or two you're planning on conducting a two-way dialogue um, whether the context is an interview or it's a speed dating you know thing again the degree of assumptions that I'm making are going to be personal assumptions that I make based on my experience hence might not be optimized for your situation now with these illustrations out of the way let's let's take it for a given that context of a problem is indeed everything therefore the next step you know for us as we traverse the rest of the episode are two number one we need to firm up the definition and the scope of the context number two we need to have some sort of a handy framework to discover the context at any given time you're part of one or more ecosystems or contexts we're like ant ants in a formicarium we're like fishes in an aquarium we're two pro wrestlers wrestling a match on Monday Night Raw or we're in traffic you know each one of these are temporary ecosystems situational based on current situation and most of these are somewhat open or semi-open the semi self-contained ecosystems which are part of larger ecosystems which are themselves part of even larger ecosystems and so on and so forth when you're in a pro wrestling match uh, let's say with me both of us are in an ecosystem and we are semi open in the sense that we're listening to the feedback of the loop at any given time to fine-tune a match to their maximum enjoyment you know if they're liking enjoying the high spots more we're going to do that if they like the fact that you're bashing me in the head with a steel chair then perhaps we're going to do a little bit of little bit more of that though hopefully not given that these ecosystems are self open uh, semi open reasonable context discovery has to be curtailed a little bit you know at some level and there are two standard frameworks for this number one is the famous 5w and 1h framework that's um, you know you ask the basic 5w questions which are what where when why and uh, whom and the 1h which is how or you use some of the frameworks like uh, the famous pestle framework which is uh, political economic social technological ecological you know uh, factors or the famous five forces i think that's uh, that's that's probably porter as well and based on this you can discover the context a little bit more now 
what are we trying to do in discovering the context? In, in discovering the context, we're trying to go against our old enemy, which is the fundamental adage, which is a fish is not aware of water. To solve problems efficiently, we, the fishes, must consciously go on a journey, must embark to discover the meaning of water, the fabric of water. To discover, or rather, to contextualize context in which our as a states or problems exist, we have to do this deliberate analysis. Earlier we talked about two, three frameworks like 5W and 1H. But in addition to that, I use this one framework often in my, uh, in my context of discovery problems. You know, uh, I use this as my guide during my day-to-day -day job of being a product manager for, you know, some of the, <coughs> I'm sorry, for some tech products, which are one, context discovery, two, positioning, and three, need recognition. Let's start with one, context definition. As part of this step one, we delineate the general ecosystem or uh, process or rule book in which our problem exists. So the simple one was that the problem of one plus one existed in a decimal number ecosystem, which is when its answer would be two or a binary, when its answer would be one zero. Our bread maker existed in a home kitchen ecosystem where the process or where it would be expected to replace our as a state of daily purchasing bread. The final one exists in the context of office meetings where I'm trying to get my point across day to day. Now, <clears throat> my quick word of warning to you, please be careful when you attempt to, to contextualize your as a state. Any comprehensive, mature, patient analysis will often find as a states at the center of multiple ecosystems where you will have to take a conscious call of prioritizing one amongst others. Number two, positioning. Now, positioning is the step two, which is asking this question, what is the function of this current as a state in the overall scheme of things or overall position of my overall system? <clears throat> now, close your eyes for a second and imagine your overall context of the problem as a simple series of process blocks, linear process blocks executed through discrete, dependent, sequential actions. So essentially a chain of sub-process blocks, one after the other. And we'll take any one of them to represent a problem. <clears throat> Using the simplistic view as the first step to analyzing a problem, uh, we understand the problem in context of its past and the future states. Uh, you know, what, what step comes before it and what step comes after. And therefore, we know what the function of the current as a state is and, you know, what is it dependent upon and what is the output that's expected of it by the next step. Using the simplistic view, 
uh, as a first step to analyzing our problem uh, you know we can uh, we can we can get some of the simpler problems out of the way but when it comes to some more critical problems some with, with a complex context take any supply chain for instance you know we would often have to break it down not as a linear sequential sequence but as a 2d mat of interlocking interconnecting multi threaded processes or you know even worse a 3d cube or a multiple dimensional cube of multiple interconnected sequences steps with their you know triggers dependencies with loops god knows loops are critical and maybe most importantly the out of system information flows into our current ecosystem <clears throat> a good example of the last one is what we discussed about the uh, you know about how you and i as pro wrestlers could could curtail our match to the requirements or, or to the feedbacks that we uh, receiving based on what's known as cloud reaction crowd reaction <clears throat> and finally number 3 needs recognition this concentrates on the question why is a change in as a state required at all in asking this question you're discovering a future determinant or the kpis key performance indicators for our eventual solutions or success criterias that any solutions must conform to to discover this i usually perform analysis on the following dimensions it's a three dimensional you know view number one historical analysis why is it that our current as a state is unsatisfactory unsatisfactory now what about our process about a fundamental use cases has changed a number two <clears throat> what are my my organization or my own new needs so this is what we call the personal perspective so what are my organization or my new needs which the current state is leaving unfulfilled let's uh, talk about the organization's need hierarchy in a separate episode later it's quite a fascinating area of its own and the third one the disruptive perspective which is what has happened outside of our system which has disrupted our current processes for instance uh, you know what is are uh, are factors like climate change political upheaval technological change or competitive moves industry moves governmental regulations you know something impacting my 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 existing use case <clears throat> now with all of this massive work out of the way what will we have in our hands number 1 we would have understood the problem in its totality and that includes the ecosystem it exists in and the role that it plays in its day to day context number 2 we would also understand how the ecosystem as a whole functions so it's holistic and comprehensive and the impact that the potential solutions are expected to have on all the interlocking sub processes number 3 we would have discovered the success criteria or the kpis or the you know performance factors that any possible future solution needs to fulfill 
to be called optimal <clears throat> now with that out of the way i think uh, we can close this chapter out the next episode is going to give you a analysis of the final state the eventual you know uh, state b that you want to reach and then we're going to jump back onto the bridge or to the solution set determination i.e finding out what are the different solutions that are possible between this initial as a state and the final to be state now with that let's let's come to the final you know question that i would like you to consider as we go ahead what is the economic move that you're planning on making in terms of your career what is the amount of salary that you want from your next job now that's a very open ended question so please do consider thinking about it you know before uh, listening to the next chapter with that let me thank you for listening to the fourth episode of analyzing analysis i do hope there has been as much a pleasure for you as it's been for me if you have any feedback please reach out to me at abhinav_arora@outlook.com that's a b h i n a v @oh_a r o r a@outlook.com thank you and have a good day